I'm going to apologize ahead of time. I don't know what's going on with the camera up there, but I'm getting ready to throw everybody off uh, because I'm actually going to transverse the, uh, is transverse the right word? I'm going from one side to the other. So if I get out of the screen, that's quite all right. It's just, uh, it goes with what we're doing today. You know, we finish up our series today on family. If you'll remember, the series was called This Is Us, and we tried to be quite honest. They're doing pretty good with following me. They're, uh, they're try- we wanted to be quite honest about what family life was all about. And so uh, you're probably wondering what the string has to do with it, but trust me, it's got something to do with it. You see, most of us realize that the life that we have, the life that we live, um, that it doesn't last forever. We know that. However, the younger we are, the less we tend to think about that. We tend to think that life will just go on and on and on. When we're younger, well, we're kind of thinking about having fun. Maybe we get to a point where we're thinking about making money. Or perhaps we're building a legacy. Don't, many of us don't think like that. We don't think too much about building a legacy when we're young. But that's precisely, looks like I've got the microphone caught. That's precisely what we want to talk about today. You see, life is relatively short. I didn't always know that. I mean, I knew it somewhere in the deep recesses of my mind. I kind of had an idea that life was short, but... It really took living to almost 50 before it began to dawn on me just how quickly life moves. In fact, in the book of James, we're told that our life is a mist. Go ahead and put that scripture up there. I I, I, I want them to see the scripture from the book of James. James writes, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town and we'll spend a year there and we'll trade and make a profit. And then here's his response. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's why I put this string here. This string goes from that door to that door. But this string is just a small, a small picture of eternity. If you really want a picture of eternity, imagine this string that goes beyond that door and continues to go on and on and on that way forever and beyond that door. And it goes on and on and on forever. And your life, perhaps, just a small dot. James calls it a mist, a puff of smoke. It's here, then it's gone. What I'd like to challenge us to do today is to seriously consider what we leave behind when the puff of smoke gone. The legacy that we are called 
to leave. The difference that we are called to make. We don't think much about it when we're young, but no matter whether you're older or younger, I want to challenge you today to consider what it is that you leave behind this legacy. And this, this is the last sermon in this series, and it was planned this way because I, I want us to think, as we're thinking about specifically about our families, what is it that I want to leave behind? I'm a Washington Redskins fan. I know I'm misplaced, displaced. I'm down here where the Falcons play, and uh, I've got friends. Matter of fact, I got a friend coming in from Texas. They're big Cowboys fans. I'm a Redskins fan, okay? Uh, we, don't, we don't talk about the Cowboys here. This is a godly place. We don't talk about... No, no I'm just kidding. Cowboys, good team. They're just too good. Uh, I just, they, if all I want them to do is lose 16 games a season, I'm fine. Okay, I'm a Redskins fan. We've got a quarterback who's playing on a... He's not under contract. He is, he's playing, I guess you could almost consider as a free agent. He's going year by year, and he's making bukus, boatloads of money for doing that. I think this year will make, uh, I don't know, $28 million uh, this year. And when, they, when I'm listening to the conversations, they begin to talk about generational wealth. In other words, in the course of a couple of years, he'll make about $44 million. And it, that's enough, certainly, for he and his family to live on, for him and his family to live on it, It's enough for his grandkids, probably enough for his great-grandkids. You have to spend a lot of money to blow through. And I know people do it. They do it all the time. But that's a ton. That's a ton of money. And most of us think, man, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could leave generational wealth to those who are coming behind me? Or wouldn't it be great if I could leave a a monument, something, something built to my life that my kids could look at, my grandkids could look at, my great-grandkids could look at and go, man, what a great man, what a great woman uh, that my ancestor was. They left their mark. Well, I want to tell you there's something far greater that you can leave behind, something far greater that you should leave behind. To your children, to your grandchildren, and even to those who aren't your kids or grandkids at all. You can leave a legacy. And I'd like us to take a moment to, to look at the words from man who, who had that on his mind. The kind of legacy he was going to leave behind. And so if you've got your Bibles, I invite you to open to 2 Timothy. It's in the New Testament. Just keep going to the right. Second Timothy. You might be surprised, it, it comes right after 1 Timothy. So if you find that, you're close. Flip over a few more pages. We're going to look at verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Now, if you didn't bring your Bibles, and I'd encourage you to do that, because you may want to put a you know, dog ear the page or, or make a little notation or something like that in your Bible so that you can get it. But if, for those of you who didn't bring them or, or, or having trouble looking it up, it's going to be on the screen. It's also in your handout. So we've tried to cover the basis as best we could. And, and here's what we read from the Apostle Paul uh, to his young protege, Timothy, when he's thinking about his legacy. Here's what he says. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Now, when he says departure, he's not talking about flying out of it, you know, Atlanta airport. 
He's talking about the time he's leaving this physical realm on earth. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, the phrase I want you to focus on this morning as we view this string, as we view the little dot representing our lives, here's what I want you to focus on. Here's the phrase. Paul says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Now, a lot of times we read through things and we don't stop and go, well, now, I wonder what he meant by that. Well, I think we all understand what pouring out, pouring something out would be, but in this particular instance, this is one of the four types of offerings that were that the uh, priests would make at the temple, at the altar, and the drink the drink offering would literally the cup would be filled with wine, it would be poured out on the altar completely, no partial, it would be completely emptied onto the sacrifice on the altar. And Paul says, as I'm looking at my life, if I'm considering my legacy, I am already being, I'm in the process of being poured out and and my cup is almost empty. It's almost over. I'm being poured out like a, drink offering. Now, Paul could have used any number of images here to represent, I mean, he could have pulled out a string. He could have used any number of images. He could have used the same image that James used, that life is like a mist. And we know what that's like. We've seen a puff of smoke. If you blow out a candle, there's a little lingering smoke and then it's gone. He could have used the words, the phraseology that the psalmist used, that that life is like the dew on the ground. When the sun comes out, it's gone, evaporates. Little droplets were there, and now they're not there anymore. He could have used any number of images, and yet he chooses to use the image of a drink offering being poured out. So Paul was saying more than simply life is brief. More than simply life is fragile. We all know that. What he was saying is that for the follower of Jesus Christ, your life is an offering. Your life is like that cup being poured out It's not being wasted. It's being given willingly, intentionally being poured out as an offering. And so this, when Paul reflects, this is what he says. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I've kept the faith. This morning, what I'd like you to ask yourself and what I've been asking myself as I've 
been preparing this is if I were in Paul's shoes, if I knew that the end of my life was coming close, if I, if I knew that, that, that my race was nearly finished and my fight was nearly over, if today were my last day or tomorrow, could I say with the Apostle Paul, I fought the good fight. I didn't quit. I finished the race. And all along, I've kept the faith. Could I say with Paul that my life has been poured out like a drink offering? There are alternatives, of course. You can pour your life out for other reasons. You can spend the time the days that have been given you for other purposes. People do it all the time. Money, accumulating wealth, gaining generational wealth, possessions, having the nicest stuff in life, whether that be cars or homes or clothes or watches or jewelry or memberships. Reputation, getting a good reputation, making sure that you've got the degrees and you've got the things that stand behind you, that give you standing. Maybe it's memberships, that I belong to the right groups, I belong to the right clubs, I, 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 I'm in the right circles of society. Some people waste their lives on even less important things. How many people have poured themselves out completely in the pursuit of alcohol or drugs? How many people, and you know some of them, who seem to spend their life trying to look for that one person who's going to make their life make sense, but they keep picking the wrong stupid person every single time? There are other pursuits you could say, but... What about pouring my life out for my children, making sure that they have everything, they go to the best school, they wear the finest clothes when it comes time for them to get their driver's license, there's a car waiting for them in the driveway, they've got the latest and greatest phone with an unlimited plan. I will pour my life out, I will will invest myself fully in my Kids, what a noble thing for me to do. Or is it? Is that truly what Paul says? What we know in our hearts, a heart of hearts, is how we ought to be spending our life. Now listen, I'm not saying any of this in order to try to induce guilt in your life. Nor am I, listen, the point of this little dot on this string is, is not to make you afraid that maybe today is it for me. Maybe, maybe my life will be over soon and, and Jimmy's up there trying to scare me into making some kind of decision. No, none of that. I'm up here to challenge you and in turn to be challenged myself. To use the short 
time that I have, the, the, the days and the hours and the minutes and perhaps even the seconds that I have to use those for something that is bigger and better than anything this world has to offer. That I might pour myself out for the glory of God and for the cause of His kingdom. Jesus said, seek first. That means the primary thing in your life. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. You're worried about all the other things. You're trying to accumulate all the other things. You're trying to get all those in your arms and get bigger baskets and build bigger barns so that you can have more and more. But Jesus says, listen, seek first, primary in your life. Put it on the front burner of your mind. Put it on the top of your to-do list. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, God would say to us. What does that look like? Well, I think we actually get a little more help from the same Paul. Wasn't that convenient that Paul gives us a little more help to figure out what this looks like? like. And so in uh, Philippians chapter 2, so I will uh, once again say this, you can just flip over to the, I'm sorry, flip backwards to you get to uh, uh, the book of Philippians, this church in Philippi, that's why it has that name. Um, All these books have a reason for the name. Paul is writing, we're going to look at chapter 2. And I'd like us to look at verses 1 through 11, if you have that there, because this is, this is what Paul says here in Philippians chapter two, beginning with verse one, he's writing to the church and he says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition, excuse me, or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this same mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, now listen to this, Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now here's the thing. Get get this in your minds first of all. Paul is writing here to the church in Philippi with the same mindset that he was writing to Timothy. 
He told Timothy, I'm already being poured out. And if you read the rest of chapter 2, which I'd encourage you to do, you'll read in a few verses down from what we just read that Paul uses the exact same phrase, that he's being poured out like a drink offering. The exact same phrase. So these two, we can link these. We're not making a stretch at all to link these two. This is in Paul's mind as he thinks about the, the fragile, fragility of life, as he thinks about the shortness of life, and he thinks about life as an offering. And he gives us this picture of Jesus that we want to keep in mind, that this is what it all looked like. When you think about pouring your life out, what did it say of Jesus? That he emptied himself. Did you catch that? He emptied himself. Same imagery. He poured himself out. He was the first to pour himself out. And that's what we're reading here. So let me see if I can summarize this. Jesus came, but in what we're reading here, Philippians 2, Jesus came to serve. We know that. Jesus said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. He was the first to pour himself out. He did so not seeking fanfare and not seeking acclaim. He didn't say, hey, look at me. Look at all the things that I'm doing for you. You ought to be grateful. Instead, he emptied himself. Now imagine this. The prince of heaven stooping to wash the feet, the dirty, smelly feet of his disciples. He could have said, I'm too good for that. That is beneath me. Do you not know who I am? But he willingly, intentionally took the basin and the towel and stooped to wash the feet of his disciples. Here, the most clean, the most pure, the most holy of anyone who's ever walked the surface of this planet went about touching unclean lepers. And making them clean. He emptied himself. He didn't consider his standing something to, to, to trumpet, something to shout about, something to hold on to, but instead he was willing to pour himself out. God himself come to us intentionally to serve, knowing he'd be despised and rejected. Denied and betrayed, maligned and crucified. He left the glories of heaven. Perfect unity with his Father. And he poured himself out so that you and I might be filled to overflowing with him. Jesus poured himself out. Now, let me ask you a question. Would Jesus say it was worth it? What do you think? That's why he came. It's worth it. The very fact that you're here today shows that it was worth it. It was worth it. And one day, listen, we get Paul gives us a picture. One day, those of us who claim the name of Jesus Christ, those of us who have been washed clean in his blood, those of us who belong to God, 
we will willingly bow the knee and we will confess, as will all creation, that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And why? Because he poured himself out. The Apostle Paul, who's used this phrase, we've read it now twice that he's used it of himself. Would the Apostle Paul say it's worth it? Of all the things he endured, of all the, of all the, the things that were said about him and done to him, of all the abuses that he faced and the imprisonments, would he say it's worth it? And, and his answer would be absolutely, it was worth it. Now, now here's, the, here's the decision that you and I have to make now. Do we think it's worth it? Do we think it's worth it to pour ourselves out for God's glory and for his kingdom? Or do we think other things are more worthy of the expenditure of our time and our resources? And again, not trying to make you feel guilty. I want you to think about this, folks. I want you to, I want you to think about this. When you're pouring your life out, and that's what you're doing, with every tick of the clock, with every second that goes off, your life is being emptied. Your cup is being turned. It is being poured out. But is it being poured out to the glory of God, or is it being poured on the ground to be wasted forever? That's our decision. Either way... We end up empty. Naked I came into the world, and naked I'll go out. I can't take this with me. I don't take my reputation with me to the grave. I don't take my bank account with me to the grave. I don't take my vehicle that I enjoy to the grave. I don't take any of that to the grave. I don't take my wife with me. I don't take my kids with me. If grandkids come along, I don't take them with me either. We all pour our lives out for something. But are we pouring our lives out for things that matter? Jesus said, What does it profit a man or a woman if he gains the whole world? Every Thing this world says is of value and importance if he gains it all yet loses his soul what's he say you can pour out your life for everything that the world says holds value and you can end up with Or you can pour yourself out, empty yourself for the cause of Christ. You can come, as some of you will, some of you won't know when that time is coming. For It could happen for any of us. And unfortunately, we could share testimonies right now of people in our own families. People that we know and love, close friends who 
were taken out way too soon, way too early. We could all testify to that. But many of you will live to the point where you're in the hospital, you're in the nursing home, you're in the hospice, you're in your bed at home. Can you honestly say, when you come to that point in your life, I have fought the good fight? Not just any fight, but the good fight. Not a fight that might pay me $300 million, but the fight that really mattered. And I finished the race, the course that Jesus laid out for me. I've finished that course, and I've kept the faith. Now, you need to know something about the Apostle Paul. Many of you, you read that, and you think, oh, what a godly man. Oh, a wonderful guy. Okay. The first 30 years of his life, Do you know what he says about those first 30 years? He said, all the things that I thought had value, I now, when I look at them in the perspective of eternity and look at them through the lens of Jesus Christ, all that I spent the first 30 years of my life, I count it as trash, as rubbish, something to be put in the wastebasket and pulled out to the curb to be picked up. Everything before Christ, everything I've accomplished, every achievement that I've made, every time that someone has patted me on the back and told me what a good job I'm doing, every, everything I've ever gained, I count it as loss for surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ and to be found in Him. So when He was talking, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I kept the faith. He wasn't talking about those first 30 years. He was talking about everything that had happened to him since he came to know Jesus Christ. And this is what I want you to know. I want you to know it right now because some of you are sitting here and you're feeling awfully guilty that you have been pouring out your life, but you've just been pouring it on the ground. And you're sitting here and go, what what do I do with this? What do I do? Because I feel that I've wasted so much of my life and here i believe is what paul would tell you and jesus would tell you and what i am telling you today start now you can't do anything about the past it is gone you poured out that much of your life don't waste the rest pour it out for something that matters Pour it out for something that will leave a legacy of faithfulness and faith to the generations that come behind you. That they may look at you and go, there came a point in my mom's life, there came a point in my dad's life, there came a point in my grandparents' life when they made a change and I saw the change. And I began to see them living for Jesus. Pouring out their life for something that was going to last. And they began to change and sitting there with the grandkids. And instead of reading the little engine that could, they were telling them Bible stories. Instead of regaling them of of tales of the past and all the things that they'd done while they were in college or high school, they began to tell them all the things that Jesus is doing in their life. And I began to see such a radical transformation in their lives. And they were leaving that legacy behind. Something that truly, truly matters. 
but it's not only a legacy that you leave behind, but I, listen, some of you think like, okay, legacy, that's like the consolation prize, right? You don't get everything else, but you get a legacy, whoopee-doo. Oh, you think that's it? Did you forget what we read that Paul said to Timothy? Let me remind you, here it is. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Henceforth, because of all that, my life being, being poured out, I'm, it's all behind me. Henceforth, there is laid up for me. Remember, Paul's being honest. I'm getting close to the end of my life. It's about to run out, poured it out for the cause of Christ. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Not his own righteousness, but righteousness that comes through Christ. There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Get this. There's going to come a time, Paul says, I know my life is almost over. I know I wasted 30 years of my life, but I've been pouring out my life since that point like a drink offering on the altar. I've been giving everything I've got to Jesus Christ, and I haven't done it perfectly, and I haven't always done, said or done or, or, or pursued the right way, but to the very best of my ability, I've been pouring myself for, out for God and for the kingdom of God, and now there's laid up for me this crown of righteousness which the Lord himself is going to give to me. Can you imagine that? The Lord of heaven stepping down off his majestic throne and bringing and placing on Paul's brow that crown. But Paul's not finished because he says, listen this, and not only to me. I mean, that's pretty cool when I think about that, but not only to me, but also to all who have loved is appearing. Who's that? Could be you. Imagine the King of glory in all His radiance as you leave this life, stepping down off the throne, placing a crown of righteousness on your head, the righteousness of Christ bestowed on you. You don't deserve to be there. You've messed up a lot. You, you've really blown it a lot. But your hope is in Christ. And His righteousness is placed on you. And you are received into His glory and His presence forever. Now I want to ask you something. If you end up flat broke, living in a one-room shack, with only the clothes on your back and just enough food to get you from one day to the next. If you end up alone, abandoned by everybody you know, persecuted because you're unwilling to back off of Jesus, can I ask you this? Would it still be worth it? And that's really the question you have to answer. Will I spend my life chasing every trinket and bauble that this world has to offer? Or will I pour myself out for the God who poured himself out for me? Let's pray. Lord God, your word is both a comfort and a challenge to us today. 
And I would pray that those who are struggling with this today would would end their struggle by surrendering to you. By coming and fully declaring their allegiance to Jesus Christ. By recognizing that they're a sinner in desperate need of a Savior and that Jesus is the only way. Father, I pray that your spirit right now, by your spirit, you would convict hearts, convict minds, convict souls that they need Jesus and that nothing would stand in the way. Lord, for those who have professed Jesus but whose life tends to look a little bit more like the world, Lord, I pray that today might be a fresh start for them that they might be willing to come and just kneel and say, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for pouring yourself out to me. Starting today, starting this moment, planting my stake here today, I'm coming to say, I'm pouring my life out for you. I want my children and my grandchildren. I want my friends and my family. I want everybody who comes after me. When they stand around my coffin, when they are standing around my grave, that they're going to say, here's a man, here's a woman who fought the good fight, who finished the race, and who kept the faith. And Lord, that they would know with confidence that when we passed on in this life, we've gone on to receive the reward that you yourself will give to us in Christ. And Lord, if there are those who need need a church family, a place to be encouraged and challenged and held accountable, a place where they can be involved, serve and be served. Lord, if you're calling them to be part of grace and let it be today. Lord, we're going to pour ourselves out for something. May it be you. For this is our prayer in the powerful name of Jesus.